Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Let me look at you guys. Y'all get up early because y'all look good. <laughs> Man. That was good. Thank you, Christian, for leading us. It was that was amazing. You know, last night we had a night of worship, so we kind of come in primed already for those that had had uh, come to that last night. And um, so I'm just like getting it all morning. So it's great. Um, so it's good. Um, today I want to talk to you about some things because as you started coming in, a lot of you are carrying things. And you don't see it on you, but other people see it on you. You don't know that you're carrying it. You just know there's a heaviness on you, and you don't know where it's coming from. But I want to address that today. I want to talk about the thing we carry called offense. It's easy to carry offense. It's easy to carry those things that people do to us or don't do to us. It's easy to carry those things with us, and when we carry those things, they begin to infect our lives, and you see, out of us becomes the very thing that we're carrying that we hated in the first place. And so today's message is very, very harsh. Well, it may be sound harsh, but it's out of love, because I know firsthand what it means to carry offense, to carry bitter roots, to let those things just dig into your soul, and nothing seems right because you're so bitter at someone or something. Some of you are even bitter at God because he hasn't done what you want him to do or he hasn't said what you want him to say. But all that does is keep you from what God wants for your life, keeps you from moving forward into the promises of God, and we have to get rid of it. We have to get rid of it. And so as we dive into Isaiah 53, we're learning to be more like Jesus because Jesus, we notice, never really carried offense with him. Jesus is the form to which we fit. And so as we dive into Isaiah 53, our prayer is that we become more like Jesus. And not only that, that we understand who he is, what he's done, and also what he wants to do through us. Because he didn't just save you to save you, he saved you to do something for him and the, and the kingdom. And so I'm going to open in prayer, and then we're going to read the scripture together. That's okay. Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I pray for those that are carrying offense right now against their neighbors, against their family members, God, against coworkers, against spouses, against children, children against their parents. Lord, I pray that today that spirit of offense would be cast out, that spirit of offense would not have a place to land. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. So what we're going to do is we're going to read Isaiah 52 through 53 together. I'm going to do the odds. You're going to do the evens. 
We got this this time. All right. Last, there was kind of a hiccup last service, but I got this. I feel confident. I got this. So you're going to read the odds. I'm going to read even. So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read the word together, and then we're going to get into the message. Isaiah 52, 13. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. For they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they have not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him, and he looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. And when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will, be, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. Thank you. You guys may have a seat. Good job. Give yourself a high five. I don't know. Something. Y'all did good. Y'all did good. Today, I want to talk about despised and rejected. Verse 2 says, There is nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. Jesus didn't look like anything special. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what he looks like. Like, I really, I was like, I pray to you, but I don't really know what you look like physically. And I think the writers didn't put anything in Scripture about his appearance because it was so plain. There was nothing de definitive about him. He wasn't super tall. He wasn't super short. Uh, he, didn't, he wasn't built like the rock. You know, he didn't have hair like Chris, Chris Helmsworth, despite what some movies have him in. But there's nothing majestic about him. You would, look, you would see him on the street and you wouldn't think anything about him. You wouldn't say, oh, there's the king, there's the Messiah, there's, there's a prophet. Nothing to distinguish himself. 
And I think because of that, that's why he was so rejected, because he didn't fit the mold of what people think that Jesus should fit, should, should, should fit into. And because he doesn't fit the mold that we think he should fit into, we, we become offended and we despise him and we reject him. And, and I want to talk about that idea of us despising God, despising Christ, rejecting Christ, and how we can get past that, and also how we can get offended by people and how we can get past the offense that other people do to us. He was despised. The word despised means to raise the head lawfully with disdain or trample underfoot. It's like this. I'm too good for you. You're not good enough for me. It's, it's this disdain. It's like, you know, you lift the head, lift the nose. It's pride. It's pride. It's haughtiness. And we reject him because we're too prideful. And then we reject him. That word means deliberately to refuse. Like, ugh, get that out of my face, right? We don't, we don't want, we don't, there's that rejection. Like, get that out of my face. Get that corn out of my face, right? It's like, some of you guys get that. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. But we reject it. Deliberately refuse who he is because he doesn't match up to what we want him to be. The first century Jews had a hard time with Jesus. He was there doing all the miracles. He was there preaching the good news of the gospel, saying that your sins can be forgiven and that you can have eternal life with the Father. You can be in his presence forever and you can be clean and righteous in his sight. But yet there's people that did not accept that message. And there's people that did not even accept his miracles. They saw the miracles, but there's always something negative to say about them. They weren't doing it the way that they thought Jesus should do them. In John 1, John writes about Christ, 9 through 11, because Isaiah 53, obviously, this is about Christ. But in John, he writes about Jesus, and he says this in verse 9, the one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. You're not the Messiah. You don't fit the bill. You don't fit the way I want you to fit. You don't act the way I want you to act. You're not the God that I want. And there's really two things when you look at the life of Christ, when you look at Scripture, that cause people to really be offended with him or reject him or despise him. And then it's really the two things that he does the most. It's his works and his word. His miracles and the things he says. So I want to look at his works. How do we get offended by his works? How do we get offense by his works? Well, when he, we get offended when he doesn't do what we want or how we want. Have you ever been offended by God? I'm, I'm not that spiritual, sorry. If I, you know, I have. Because he didn't do what I wanted him to do the way I wanted him to do it. There's been times in my life where I looked at God and I'm like, God, why did you do it for this person but not me? Why did you heal this person but here I am sick? When I was 30 years old, I had some heart issues. I woke up one night, just went to, sleep, went to go to the bathroom, passed out, went through a bunch of series of tests, couldn't really figure out what was going on, just having all these heart issues, palpitations, um, fluttering heart. And I was angry with God because here I'm 30 years old. Now I wasn't like the fittest guy in the world. But I'm 30 years old, and I'm thinking, God, why me? Why am I doing, why am I going through this? What about my neighbor? They're 300 pounds, 400 pounds. They don't, they eat junk. I'm trying. Why don't, why do you put this on them? 
Why do I have to carry this? And see, that's, that's pride. That's haughtiness. It's saying, I know what's best for me. We get offended with him because he doesn't do what we want him to do when we want him to do it or how he wants us want him to do it. And we're not allowed, and it keeps us from being happy for other people because it's all about ourselves. Jesus, when you perform a miracle, do it for me. Where's mine? Where's my gift? I want to prophesy. Where's my gift of prophecy? I want to speak in tongues. Where's my gift of tongues? And then you see somebody else get it, and you're like, man, why do they get it? I know I'm better than them. I pray more than them. And there's that thing within us, right? There's that thing within us that just wants for ourselves and, and can't care about other people. And it causes us to be offended because we're, we're prideful. We know better. We turn the nose up at what God's doing over here and say, well, when he does it for me, when he fits the way that I want him to do, when he does miracles the way I want him to do miracles, then I will rejoice and I will accept him for the way, for who he is. Many people reject Christ because they see the miracles like that's not possible. That's why it's called a miracle. Or they don't, you know, well, well, Jesus, if he would do this, then I would believe. If he, you know, the, the one-ended stick thing, you know, if any of you are into that. Well, if God can make a one-ended stick, then I'll believe in him. Problem is you won't believe even if it throws it at you, hits you in the head with it, because there's unbelief in your heart. And that unbelief becomes a filter of how you see things. So when God does a miracle in front of you, you can't even see it because you're not looking for it. You're looking for a reason to deny it rather than to accept it. But unfortunately, when God doesn't do things the way we want him to do, we get offended and we get mad at him and we take a step back. And really, that's what offense does. We, when we're offended, we take a step back. And we're like, no, I'm not going to engage here anymore. I'm, I'm taking a step back from Christ. I'm taking a step back from my faith. I'm taking a step back from people who offend me because you're not doing what I want you to do. We even see this in people's lives. There's people, there's expectations that people put on other people. And they're impossible expectations. I see it all the time in marriage counseling. By the way, don't ask me to marriage. I'll premarital counsel you, but don't marriage, ask me for marriage counsel. I'm like 0 for 4. So I'm just warning you. Because by the time they come to me, they've already made up their mind. They're just looking for permission. Sorry, I didn't mean to ruffle you there. <laughs> but they put, spouses put impossible standards on their spouses. They paint this picture of how their spouse is supposed to look like, and there's no way they can match up to that. I did that for a long time with our relationship. I had this standard for Debbie that she could not meet, and I was offended all the time because she couldn't meet that standard. I can't even meet that standard. Why am I going to expect her to meet the standard? It's not until I learned that the standard is not her, it's Jesus, and for me to watch, walk in him, and for me to worry about him and not what my wife is doing, but worry about him, that allows me to pray for my wife and to love her despite where she's at. There's no offense. You don't have to carry it because she doesn't have to do the way, things I want her to do the way she, I want her to do them. There's no expectation.
We get offended when God doesn't do what we want him to do or how he wants it to do. And we reject him. And it's really hard when you lose somebody you love. I mean, I'm not diminishing that because it's hard. It's hard when you go through a trial. It's hard when things aren't lining up or things going well. You want to get mad at God. And I want to tell you, it's okay to be angry for a season, but you need to get over it quickly. Don't let it build a fence in your life. It's okay to question God and say, God, why did this happen? But you have to come back to trusting him. It's in those moments where life just doesn't make sense and you want to give up on your faith. You have an opportunity to dig into your faith and grow closer to God than you've ever been. I tell people all the time when they have a bad loss or something really bad happens to them, I'm like, you have a choice right here. You can either shake your fist at God, get mad and walk away, or you can dig into him and let him comfort you. And so we have to do that when it doesn't work the way we want it to work. Because like I said, in those trials and in those times, we, wanna, we get offended by him, and we, we don't even wonder if he even knows what's best for us anymore. I love the story of Matthew. John the Baptist was the guy that like told everybody that Jesus was coming. He was the voice in the wilderness, right, calling out of the wilderness. He was, the, he was gifted like the prophet of Elijah. He was the man that led way for Jesus, and he finds himself in prison. And he finds himself wondering, did I do the right thing? Did I say that, is this is Jesus really the Messiah? And in Matthew 11, you see this story unfold. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? In other words, are you really the one I'm looking for? And when things happen in our life and struggles happen and loss happens, we ask this question, don't we? Lord, are you really the one that I need? Are you really the one I'm looking for to help me through this, to give me strength? Are you really the one that I need? And then Jesus answered them, these two men, go and tell John the things which you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. I'm doing God's work. The dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them, and, the, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Tell John. People are, miracles are happening. The gospel is preached. Don't get offended because of what I'm doing, because I'm not doing it the way you thought I would do it. And I could see these two disciples sitting with their master, sitting with their, their rabbi, John, wondering if Jesus was going to rescue him or do something about his situation. And probably asking John, is this, really, is this Jesus really the Messiah? Because this is looking pretty dark. And we know the story. John the Baptist eventually gets beheaded. I'm telling you, it's in those moments where we don't understand and we want to get offended with God. That's when we have to come to this realization of who he is and not what he can do for us. Because too often we're chasing what he can do for us rather than who he is. And when we understand who he is and we let that permeate our lives, it doesn't matter what happens to us. Because I know my God's good, my God's got this. And whatever happens on the outside of me is not going to affect anything on the inside of me. Because I don't get offended. I don't take, stick, take a step back when 
things don't line up the way I want to. This word offended means to stumble or to fall back. Other translations actually put that in their translation. Blessed are those who do not fall away because of me. Blessed are those who do not stumble because of me. Blessed are those who are not taken aback because of what I do. We have to remember who he is. And we have to remember the miracles that he can do. You know, it's hard sometimes to keep asking for prayer for healing when you're not seeing it. And there was a, there was a pastor friend of ours, great man of God. This guy was a massive dude. I mean, huge. Like, he'd probably lift a truck. Healthy like an ox. When COVID was at its full, you know, when the Delta virus was going around, he got it and he got sick and he was not doing well. I'm like, well, he's going he's to be okay. I mean, he's strong. We started taking a turn. And so all the pastors that we know, I mean, there's probably thousands of pastors praying for this man. And we believed with all of our heart that he was going to be raised up, that he was going to be healthy, that he was going to get out of this. And this carried on for, for three or four months. He was in, intubated. We're like, any day he's going to get up. I know he's going to get up. I know he's going to get up. And Jesus is going to heal him, and Jesus is going to get the glory. But Walt passed away. And that affected me for the first time for, in a long time. Like, God, why do I even pray for these people? If you're not going to do anything, why even bother? But here's the problem. I want him to do it my way. I want him to do what I want him to do, the way I want him to do it. And when I got to go to Walt's funeral, they were in a, a, a high school auditorium. Actually, it was a basketball gym auditorium. And it was just full of people, pastors, people that he touched, lives that he touched. And he didn't have a very big church, but he was a gentleman, a man who loved Christ with all of his heart. And so I thought, if anybody deserved to get healed, it was him. But that didn't happen. But at that funeral, people got up one after another and just told about how he touched their lives, what he's done for them, shared stories. And that high school gymnasium was full of people come to honor the life of Walt. And the pastors get up and they preach and several people gave their life to Christ that day. And so I had to say to myself at that moment, God, you know. <laughs> I don't know, but God, you know. I trust your ways. I trust in what you do. And that's really what Jesus is telling John the Baptist. He's like, just trust in what I'm doing. Don't lose heart. Don't give up because you're not seeing what you want to see. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. And then we get offended by his words. We reject him. We despise him for his message. When his words conflict with our thinking or our wanting. I don't know about you. There's just things in here that I read, and I'm like, man, I don't know about that. That's some weird stuff. Or why would God do that? That just doesn't make sense. Man, God's a murderer. I'm just being real. And there's things in here that we don't understand, and we want to reject it, and we want to despise it, and we want to take a step, step back. But the best thing we can do when we come up with something hard in his word is to step in, not step back. Is to step into it and say, Lord, why is this in here? What does this mean? Why did you do it that way? Help me understand. One thing about the disciples, 
that's good, the good thing. There's a lot of negative stuff about them in the Bible, which helps me believe it. Because if I was writing a story, I'd make me look good. But they were always misunderstanding what Christ was doing, what Jesus was doing. And, but they would always take a point to go to Jesus after he told a hard story or a parable. They would say, Master, please explain this to me. And I think that's a good practice for us. Say, so Jesus, please explain this to me. And he was very patient with them, and he explained it. His words are offensive. The gospel is offensive. For somebody to, to understand, just the understanding of what the gospel is, that I'm a sinner in need, of, in need of grace, that's offensive to me because I'm better than everybody else. At least I think I am. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a good person. I don't lie, cheat, steal, or all these things. So I'm a good person, so that means I don't need a Savior. But to hear the gospel and saying that you're, you're lost, you can't do anything good outside of Christ, it's offensive. And for those that hear that and they step back, they never walk into the forgiveness that God offers. They, they take a step back and they're offended and they never understand what he's done. It's when they engage into it and step into it, that's when life changes. That's when your life changes. We have to listen to his word. I love... In John chapter 6, Jesus gets to the heart. He's at the height of his ministry. People are like coming in the droves to hear him. They're following him. And he gets to this point where he offends many people by his words. So John 6, 52, Jesus, this is the story. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant because he said, hey, if you eat my, I'm the bread of life. You know, I've come down from heaven. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're going to live. And they're like, what? <laughs> That's... That's crazy. And so they began arguing about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they said. And Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because the living Father who sent me, in the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors died. Even though they ate the manna, they will live forever. And he said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And then many disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? The Jews at that point knew what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about eating, really eating his flesh and blood. He was using a literary term. He was using imagery to explain what, like when we eat something, it becomes a part of us, right? And that's what he's saying. He's like, you have to take in what I'm saying, take in who I am, and then you will have life. And they said, it's hard to accept you saying you're God. And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he, fed, he said to them, does this offend you? Do my words offend you? Do the things I'm saying offend you? Do they make you take a step back? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones did not believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, 
That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. All at this point, many of his disciples turned away and, des and deserted him. Oh, we're out of here. See you later. You're getting weird. You offended me. And I love this. At that point, his disciples deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Are you offended? Are you offended? Are you offended at his word? Because here's the thing about Christ's word. It always penetrates the heart. Anywhere Jesus went and everything he said penetrated straight to the heart. He went straight to the heart. He didn't beat around the bush. He told you how it was, and he told you that in love because he loves you. Even when he was having debates with the Pharisees and they were coming after him, he said some harsh words, but he was doing it to reveal a reality to them that they couldn't understand. He was speaking truth in love. His words are truth and love. We can't get offended by his words because he's always speaking truth to us. But yet we don't listen sometimes. Jesus isn't rude. He's loving. It seems rude when you get offensive. When you have offense, it's rude. I love Proverbs 27, 5 through 6. It says, an open rebuke is better than hidden love. Like, don't just say, oh, it's okay. Like, really tell me, like, when something's wrong. And then this part, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Have you ever been wounded from a friend, like a good wound? Like a friend, hey, dude, get it together. Like, what are you thinking? That's not right. That's a, that's a wound from a friend because he loves you. She loves you. She wants you to be pulled into who God has created you to be. And that's what Jesus does. He's a friend, and he will wound you sometimes with his words. And you have a choice at that moment to step back or step into it. Get offended or walk into his words. His words are hard, and they can be very offensive. And I love the answer to this. So what do we do when we're offended by his words? Simon Peter replies, Lord, to whom would we go? You're the only answer. I don't understand this question, but you're the only answer. Who should we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. This is what we need to do when we're offended by Jesus' words or even his actions. What he does do, what he doesn't do. We need to consider the alternative. What's the alternative? It's not very good. Jesus is the only answer, trust me. Consider who he is and trust his ways. And we need to be the same way with people. When people come at you, you need to consider Christ. Because they're going to come at you and they're going to try and get under your skin. They're going to try and give you a big bag of offense. But you have, a, you have an opportunity then to drop it, let Jesus have it, and walk on, walk on in your life without being offended. Jesus didn't get offended. He didn't walk around being offended because he was a man of sorrow a man of sorrow and grief. In other words, he was a man of pain. He understood pain. He understood what it meant to be rejected and, and despised. He understood what it meant for people to always constantly be going at you. And because he's our standard, he's our pattern, as believers, we need to follow that same pattern as Jesus. We don't have the right to be offended. Wait, well, hey, that's, that's harsh, Pastor. I don't know. I have a right. No, you don't. 
The only right you have is to follow Christ. Because here's the thing, when you say yes to Christ, when you say yes to Jesus, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you. You're my Lord and Savior. Problem is people make Jesus their Savior and not their Lord, and they want to live their life the way they want to and wonder why it's all out of whack. He's the Lord. If he's not your Lord, then you're going to live your life however you want. You're going to be offended all the time, and life's going to be a mess. But as soon as he becomes your Lord, you say, Lord, I'm surrendered to you. All my rights, I give up. I write them off. I'm your slave. I'm your servant. What do you want me to do? And this is what he says, be like me. Become love like me. Don't let people get at you. If people come at you, love them back. The most offensive sermon in Scripture is the Sermon on the Mount. And you're like, what? That's, that's, a, nice, that's a nice sermon. We read that in Bible school and in kids' church. But for the time, it was very offensive. It was very scandalous. Scandalous. That word actually means scandalous. It's scandalous. I love what Jesus says for us is to love people despite where they're at because I'm telling you, when somebody hurts you or tries to hurt you or comes at you, it's because they're hurting. We hear this all the time. Hurt people hurt people, right? And we have to give up the offense. We have to drop it. And we have to see what's missing in that person, not what's wrong with that person. Too often we look at that person and go, there's something wrong with that person. No, there's something missing in that person's life. And when Jesus engaged people, that's what he was doing. He was trying to insert what was missing. Even the, even the Pharisees, he would tell them, this is what's missing in your life. You're missing the point. This is what's missing. You, have, you just need the Father. You need to stop trying so hard and just let God do what he wants to do. And so I'm telling you, when somebody comes up against you, you don't want to get offended, you might want to start practicing that and saying, Lord, what's missing in their life? What's missing? They're missing joy. They're missing love. What's been stolen from them? And for us that know Jesus, we're made whole. There's nothing missing because we're made whole. And that's what God wants to do. Remember this? By his wounds, we have been made whole, right? That's what he does. And so this is how we approach people that try to offend us or try to come at us. I love Matthew chapter 5, verse 30, 38. It's the Beatitudes. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. So tit for tat, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. That's the natural order, right? That's what we normally do as people. You injured me, I'm going to hurt you back. If I can't hurt you back, I'm going to annoy you for the rest of my life, and you're out of my life. You're canceled. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. There's an exclamation point there. Do not resist. What? But they're, they're coming at me. They're trying to hurt me. Don't resist them. Don't fight back. That's what he's saying. Don't fight back. Don't try to get back. Leave room for the Lord. He'll handle it. And I guarantee you he'll handle it differently than you will. What if his plan is for them to get saved, redeemed, and, and set free? We don't like that. That person don't deserve it. See, that's, what, that's why it's so hard for us to forgive. Because we want to pay them back. We want to get them back. They have a, they have a debt that they cannot pay off no matter how good they try no matter what they do. That's why forgiveness is so offensive. When Jesus said, forgive your enemies, like, what? I can't forgive them. They owe me. 
No, Jesus paid it all. And I'm so glad he did. Jesus didn't cancel us, even though he had every right to. Then he goes, I say this, resist the evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, out for the other cheek as well. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give them your coat. Lord, this doesn't seem fair. <laughs> if a soldier demands you carry a gear for a mile, carry two miles. Back then, a soldier could do that. Any common citizen, they would say, you're going to carry my gear for a mile. And so Jesus is saying, go above and beyond what people ask. Love them. Don't get offended and step back, step into it with hands, or arms open, hands open saying, what can I do for this person? Give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the, what the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. That's scandalous. Pray for those who persecute you. What? Pray for them. I'll pray for them. <laughs> I'll pray for them. Yeah, God. I mean, a thousand fleas, you know. The, I don't know. If, I'm pretty old. I'm old enough to remember that. I'll pray for them. No, he's saying pray for them. Like, really pray for their good. I'm telling you, if you're dealing with bitterness, that's the strongest thing you can do. Just to get a little time. Are y'all good? Can I keep going? If you're, if you're struggling with bitterness or unforgiveness, the first thing you need to do is start praying for that person. Pray for their good. Start blessing them. Start praying a blessing over their life. I'm telling you, when you start to do that, God will start to soften that soil. And that bitter root will start to die and decay. And then you'll be able to love that person because you understand something's missing in their life. Nothing's wrong with them. Something's missing. And you can love them the way that Christ loved them. You can be loved for them. And this is what Jesus is getting out here. He's like, guys, don't operate like the world operates. I'm the standard. Act like me. I'm the standard. Be children of God. And he even says this, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. But too many people act like spoiled children that just want what they want to get what they want to get. And Jesus said, no, be a true son or daughter. Too many people think that they're foster kids when it comes to God. Like, he's going to give up on me the first second I mess up, or he's just here to get me. He's only here because he wants something from me. Jesus, God has no foster kids. He only has kids, kids. He loves you. He wants you into, into his house. He wants to make you a son or a daughter of God. The inheritance is his to give to you. It says, be true children of the Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. God doesn't distinguish. He gives them good, gives them evil. Right? Both sunlight to both bad and good people. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. They love me when it's tax time, right? If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? That's everybody else acts. What do you got for me? When I'm kind to my friends, they're my friends. I love them. But anybody else, what do you have for me? Can you meet a need in my life? Can you give me something I think I need? Can you do this for me? And if they can't, then you're not nice to them. You're not, you don't pray for them. You're not friends to them because they have no value to you. Jesus doesn't see us that way. We're supposed to love everyone because what do we need? 
What do we need? You have heaven. What do you need? What on earth can satisfy you? Nothing. How are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect. Is that an impossible standard? Even as your Father in heaven is perfect. I don't think it's an impossible standard because in Christ we are perfected. In Christ we are being made perfect. It's like, come on. Model after me. Stop trying to fit the mold in the pattern of this world and stop trying to put me in that pattern and mold. I want you to take yourself out of that pattern and mold and stick yourself into my mold and let me fill you and become who you need to be. That's what he's saying here. Become perfect like your father's perfect. Don't carry a fence. Choose love. Step in. Don't step out. You got to choose love, guys. There's times I don't want to love. I'm just being honest. There's times I don't want to love. But I have to choose it because I see the one who loved me first. And when I know that Christ loves me, then how can I withhold my love from anyone else? Because I was rotten. I was dirty. I was mean. But yet he still loved me. And so, you know, what? when people are rotten, dirty, and mean around me, I can still love them because Christ loved me first. I don't look at them. I look at me and God. And because this is my vision, not those people, what they do can't affect me. And so I can love them like Christ loves them. Amen. Is this harsh? I don't want it to be harsh. So many of us carry offense, and it just ruins our life. I see people walk around, you know, the bitter old people, it's because they have offense in their life, and they never got rid of it. I don't want to be that guy. you got to let it go. Here's a great resource for you. It's a book by John Bevere called The Bait of Satan. If you ever read that book, it's very good. I, I would... I would encourage you to read this book. Do the study. The Bait of Satan. He talks about how the enemy works in offense. If he can get you offended, he can get in. It's the open door for him to wreak havoc in your life. I know this because I used to walk around offended. I was very, you don't think I was, but I was a very angry kid. I had a lot to be angry about. And the enemy just worked me over time. You got to close that door to offense. You got to kick out the enemy. You got to allow the Holy Spirit in there. And he begins to make all things new. And he gives you a love for the people you never thought you could love. I never loved people before. Not like this. I only love them because they could do something for me. When you can love somebody because even though they can't do one thing for you, you're getting closer. You're getting closer. Christian, if I can get you to come up and the, uh, if I can get the ministry team to come up too, because this is how I want to close. I know this is a heavy message, but I want you to stand. We're going to ask the Lord some things. Because I don't want anyone to leave here today carrying a fence. Leave it here. The Lord's big enough to take it. You ain't got to carry that around. You can, be, you can forgive. You can be free. Because Jesus made us free. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask. I want you to ask. Holy Spirit. What were you speaking to me through this message? What were you speaking to me through the music? What do you want to say to me? What do I need to go get prayer about? Help me, Lord, with my offense to drop it. You're mad at God. He wants to give you an understanding. He wants to love you. 
His arms are wide open. Jesus carried offense. It was a cross. He carried every bit of offense and abuse that we threw at him. He carried it and he died and he was resurrected so that we may not live offended, that we may have life and life to the fullest. He carried it for us. You don't have to carry it. That's what he did. That was his works. Don't get offended by those works. Accept it. Step into it. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, for everyone that needs prayer, that they would come back in prayer. As always, we're going to have Christian play a song. And then while he's singing, while you're worshiping, I want you to pray for the people that are going up. Pray for the people next to you. Pray for your family members. Pray for yourself. And engage in what God's doing. So, Holy Spirit, I pray anybody up that needs prayer right now. It could be healing. could be something we talked about. could be offense. could be anger towards you, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that somebody would give their life to you, Jesus, that they would understand how loved they are. God, that you gave up everything just to buy them back so they may be children of God, that you would bring them into your care, that you would love them and give them a new life, God, and transform their lives forever and ever. They would have a love that they've never had before, God. We thank you, Lord, that that happens just because we say yes to Jesus. Help us give up our rights. In Jesus' name. So drive everyone up that needs prayer. In Jesus' name.